0: How's it going, Rick? Good. thanks. You seem comfortable. Thank you for uh, having me. It's here always good. Chilly morning. I thought after, so Rick. First of all, Rick is a long-time editor at the Current, and and now he's the managing editor at wt WTNH. And and honestly, like there aren't many. I learned from Rick, and so during the political season, they had him on a bunch, and then he just he ghosted me. He just stopped. You know, he He would text me in the morning, be like, "What about this? What There's about a good that?" Good reason. I, I have didn't this like car this. now, I didn't where like I can't
1: that. get AM radio. What did you buy a Tesla? I, I got an electric car that doesn't have AM. what you
0: Would you get? That's interesting. Did you get an ID four. ID four. Why is everyone buying an ID four? I know every middle aged yeah. man is well, buying an ID four.
1: That's probably it, right there.
0: It's just like I want to go. I can't go full Tesla, right? So I'm going to go Volkswagen. Um, it's funny because I've seen like three in the last three. Yeah, days. they're everywhere
1: now. You couldn't get it for a year, and now they're do, you, do you like it? Yeah, it's a little getting used to that whole range anxiety thing. Is that Is it real? Well, yeah, you get a little nervous about it, you know. It's tough to make it to Boston and back without a recharge.
2: <laughs> so you have to pull over and like sit for 20 minutes and charge. Well, and- you got to
1: but you got to find the right charging station,
0: too. Oh. Right? You can't use the Tesla? Not now.
1: I think down the line you It'll can. Be and then you got to find the one that's fast. They have ones that are slower, you know. You got to get the ultra or hyper speed ones.
0: So. Does it actually save money on the charging Because it's like a buck fifty of whatever.
1: Yeah it's a I think it's a little more expensive to get the fast charge, but it's still cheaper than gas. It, but it's just the psychology of it, you know, like gas stations are everywhere, but right. charging stations are What's
0: well, funny, I used to play this game. I love to play the game, How far and empty can I go without running out of gas. Like same. I used well, to I, love I, play I, that game. I
1: still play that game. Yeah. And my wife hates that. But
0: you gotta roll the dice and yeah, exactly. I, listen. Knock on wood. To date, I've never run out of gas. So my
2: husband um, w- is a, a certified a senior master tech for Ford Motor Company, and he tells me once you hit E, you've got fifty miles. Oh, it's funny because they I was—I <laughs> was
0: always told it was t- you could go twenty miles on fumes. Oh. That's all I ever was told. I've
1: only run out of gas once, and it was in Chicago. So oh, that must no have been problem. so shame. You must yeah. have been shamed.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's a terrible miscalculation, yeah. Rick. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the funny thing about what we do, because I think honestly, when we're doing our best on this show, I think we're awesome, and yeah. I think it's not repeated, maybe in other places even in the country. But Teslas don't have radios, and so I was I mean, so the ID four just they don't have radios. It's just all right, you know so connectivity. It's, whether it's you know you use your phone for your podcasting or interesting, yeah, there's no radio. So there's no AM radio. And, and where and, was the conscious decision to like?
1: bump out am right well i Somewhere mean I, along the line. as
0: Corey would say she's called me analog twice today yeah I, I think that that's the point is that it's not it's not a part of the future yeah so why put it in now it's like you don't get five cd changers and cassette decks in in the cars right eventually yeah. they stop putting them in and whether that's the way it's going to be but it's the way it is so you could still stream us in the app rick i do point. stream
1: it but the problem is it it, every time you go off the app, it brings you back to where you were before in the program. Listen, so you could be. The point is, you want to come behind. back.
0: got you got yeah. to talk about the uh, yeah. the, uh, the app. You can listen to the app. The app's great, Rick. Okay, the app right. is, is, is fantastic. I got it on my
1: phone. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> well, I know you're a listener, so yeah.
0: either way, I, I want to. We're gonna take as we always do. You know, seven twenty and 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 seven forty and seven There'll be the bulk of our conversation points. I want to talk about Governor Lamont. I've been throwing this stuff out there about whether some of these early proposals this year are part of his legacy building and stuff like that you know i really think there's something going on yeah. and you made a comment to me off off uh, via text i don't know yeah. if we can go on the record sure. with it but i think there's a lot to that comment too about what kind of his conservatism in some ways is not indicative of his political party and yeah. and that's something we i want to get into but we have to take a break here we did a story like a month a month ago about and this is important for new england how much battery power they lose in the cold and, you know, the ID4, according to this particular piece, can lose up to 30%. It's not the
1: worst. I saw that. Yes. But it's
0: at the bottom. I think the Chevy Bolt is the only one. But if that's estimated, in terms of verified, the ID4 can l- lose as much as 30% in the cold weather. But it looks nice. It looks a little like a Range Rover type. Yeah. type Don't car.
1: they all look the same now, though? Isn't that part of the issue? Well, that? the
0: Rivian trucks are cool. Yeah. Yeah. They are really, really cool. We're with Rick, Rick Green from WTH, the managing editor, and Corey Myers. Uh, Long, how should I address who you are professionally?
2: (laughs) You know, that's the first time somebody's asked me that in such a long time. Uh, I guess you just, long time Connecticut radio personality. There you go. Uh, That's pretty
0: good. Yeah, that's good. I think that is good and it's accurate as well. And hopefully she'll be here on Friday when I'm uh, on a pond in New Hampshire, probably losing an extremity. Um, But that's neither here nor there. I, I wanted to start with you and Rick. With, with Governor Lamont, because, you know, this, I said to ask Dan Hart this question, I mean, with like multiple gun proposals at the beginning of the year, and I know he's got a sort of, yeah. he's got the budget address and he's got to sort of pump the legislative, you know, stuff that he wants. But to come so aggressively on guns feels like, <clears throat> and I'm reading into it, but my take was he's legacy building here. and And in some ways this signifies to me that I don't think, I don't know what the rules are, but I don't think he'll run for a third term. Yeah, I don't think
1: we know that. It, it, he I, had, think, I think I feel like okay. I do. He had, uh, he, well, you're, you're, you're more connected than I am. No, but, no, no, uh, I don't
0: know that. I mean, that's my, that, I'm saying that with certitude with no real information. Yeah,
1: I mean, it would certainly be unusual if we saw him run for a fourth term. I guess it's just going to depend on how things go for the next few years, right? Uh, how's the economy going to go? Or is Connecticut going to continue to kind of climb back from. Uh, whether the you know the great pandemic, are we going to start to create more jobs uh, than we have been? Uh, is he going to follow through on some tax cuts? I mean, he's got some pretty big uh, items on the table in terms of trying to have a middle class tax cut here. Can that I share? Can way. I share what you texted? Sure, me. sure, okay.
0: sure. I, uh, so you basically said it seems like seems pretty clear we have a Republican governor. Who has to keep the Democrats in control. And and what I would say is that outside but the gun issue it doesn't fall in step with that. But fiscally, he I think he's very worried about the economy. I think he wants to hold on to this this surplus because he's very worried about the economy on the other side.
1: I mean, I think we can all agree that in general most people in Connecticut are kinda in the middle, a little to the left, a little to the right. And the governor is playing to that. And, yes, he is probably more socially liberal. I'll look at the, the gun proposals. But, you know, he, he he's talking about tax cuts for low income, middle income. Maybe we'll even see some for uh, his friends down in Fairfield County who provide most of the tax revenue for the state.
0: Right. Well, you know, for me, and Corey, feel free to chime in anytime you want. I, I, I look at, like, Lamont a little in the same way that Obama is. Obama, like, really – didn't like Congress, yeah. And in, in one of his biggest blind spots is that he felt it was condescending, and he should have probably done more than negotiating himself initially, especially with the healthcare stuff. But with with Lamont, I, I don't think it's that. But there doesn't seem to be a simpatico with the Democrats at the state capitol, really, and especially early on in his first term. And I'm wondering, do you have any insight into that relationship? I mean, is there a rubber stamp there? Can he bring it and say – and the Democrats are like, yes? Or is there a ton of pushback well, or what? We've got to remember, he's a – like him
1: or not out there, he's a popular governor. Uh, he won by 13 points over the Republican. So the Democrats have to look to the fact that this is a guy who is still riding a pretty good wave of uh, popularity stemming from his handling of the pandemic, uh, the improving state's economy. So – this is a guy who's going to get what he wants on, to some degree. Is it, are we going to see some of the you know the, the more liberal Democrats have all kinds of spending proposals? I think he's going to fight a lot of that stuff. He's but really, even
0: though the, the Republicans want to cut taxes more than he's yeah, cutting them. So yes, exactly. Everybody on both sides wants to use that yeah. money.
1: Right, right. I think you you'll see Lamont wanting to be uh, more responsible with it, uh, return some of it to taxpayers, but continue his you know strategy of paying down the debt, which Connecticut is you know has is developing a pretty good record on.
0: We're talking with Rick Green, managing editor from WTNH, longtime current editor, and Corey Myers is here too, um, longtime Connecticut media personality. Ra- right? Radio. Radio. <laughs> have, you, have you always been radio? Always. Never TV?
2: No, I had no desire. My hair's too big.
0: I don't know. Mark Christopher did TV. You could do TV. He
2: did? I didn't yeah, know that. He
0: was my, he was our traffic guy at Channel 30 when- when we relaunched the morning show, wow! Myself, Keisha Grant, Bob Maxon, and Mark the Shark.
1: So you straddle both worlds, so you have a little insight into both, though.
0: Yeah, I mean, I will tell you. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what to, if a TV. I mean, we're trying to do stuff in multimedia here, but I mean, it, it is. Uh, the TV is so different. I mean, I love being off script. I mean, and I love being yeah. able to talk to people like you and and you, Corey, and have real conversations. I think the the constraints of television, especially locally, is is really difficult if you want to express yourself. And I'm not even like I don't have an ag- a political agenda. I just want to have good conversations. You know, and TV for the even those Sunday shows I think are severely limiting. The way they do it now, I wish they could blow out the format. If Is that a, it? It just
1: needs to be more free form because I know, do. I'm, I came from the print world to TV. Well, listen, I have ago, my own and philosophies, and yeah.
0: the, the folks at TNH and Channel Thirty might have disagree, but we're digressing. But what I, I said this, and I said this to uh, somebody who's pretty high up and with one of the stations the other day. I, I, if you if you really want your anchors to be journalists and you want your reporters to be journalists, then then t- test them. And by that is that if you have a story, like everyone's so addicted to having taped, like you go to a reporter, he says, blah, 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 they throw to a taped piece, they tag it off, blah, 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 back to you, Bob. Forget about that, especially if there's something active. Have a Q&A. Yeah. Just have a conversation. And they're like, and then, well, the anchors, they need a scripted question. Well, if you know your stuff, give me a break. Yeah. Give me a break. You should be able to have a conversation about a story. If a reporter knows the story, they should be able to talk about it,
2: right? And they—the thing now is social media is an extension yeah. of everything, and so if they're going to follow up, they have to have their own page and you know put the video up, and it's got to be very you know timely.
0: So. Yes, I mean this, that side of it is something that I, I probably couldn't do if I went back in the field. Right. All the different commitments they have, but I—I I do think that the feeling because people are smart, they're not stupid. And I feel like local news can be really insulting to people's intelligence sometimes. And it also goes only skin deep, right? You're doing something for 45 seconds. There's only so much you can do, and we have access to that that piece of information anyway. So I feel like if you want to bring in a more sophisticated, long-term, younger viewer— to make it interesting, it's like if you have a, a fire or something like that or like <laughs> snow, they do it because you can't do anything, You can't script snow. But then, you know, they make fun of you putting the ruler in the snow. But I, I, that's my take. That's my hot take on that. Yeah, I think
1: especially if if you do have a reporter who knows their stuff and she knows what she's talking about.
2: Oh, I love that you said she.
1: Well, we have a number of uh, female reporters I know, reporters but I just love that you NH left me, right. And, and uh, you know, long-term journalists, uh, it's kind of what we pride ourselves on at TNH.
0: Well, I think that, but I think the key is, a, to synthesize Corey's point, is that sometimes the younger set, they're so more interested in getting this on Instagram than actually mastering yeah. the story. And so mm-hmm. there, there's got to be a balance there. But I just think that, Ultimately, the only the the major thing that pulls people still to, to media, whether it's radio or TV, is, is actually weather. Because the apps, as even if they are effective, people love a narrative when it comes to what's happening in the world. So I feel like they still kind of want that in yeah. a strange way.
1: Yeah, that in traffic accidents, backups right. on nine ninety one ninety one. Sure,
0: but generally speaking, there's no like tra- traffic in Connecticut eighty yeah. percent of the time. Whereas, you know, like in Boston, where I was for several years, it's a junk show all the time. So, you know, it's, I mean, what do you think? Like if you, now, now that you're, this, we only have a couple seconds, yeah. but if I, if I were to say, like, what's one thing out of 100 things you would like to modify? I won't say change because I don't want to get you in trouble. I,
1: I think I agree with you hearing more, just something little like a, a, a Q&A scenario. Like, just like, tell me what you think. Uh, uh, you know, our political reporter, uh, Jody Latina. Jody, tell me what you think is happening there at the Capitol. You've been covering
0: this for 20 years. Is this something you've seen before?
1: Right, right. Now, the danger is you get into the whole opinion thing and people get so nervous about that. But, I mean, yeah, I think hearing, especially if you have a pro on the beat, let's hear what Brian or Rick or Jody has to say about
0: it. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I find that... With the exception of graphics and the social media side of it, very little has changed. You know, it's I, remarkable. I started isn't it? In, in local TV in 2002, and the template is like identical.
2: Wow, that's not good. No, Now it's no. going to change with the times. I, I mean, well,
0: what is the times? The other thing we don't have
1: time to get into it, but you know, I li- lived through the crash of newspapers, and you look at TV, so reliant on people who are watching the news at five, six, ten, and eleven. Well. How many people do you know who watch the news at that hour? I mean, it's a it's a shrinking audience. Totally. What did, five years from now, who's going to be doing that? How are they right. going to deliver their product to stay relevant?
0: Correct. I mean, I always thought that the 7 p.m. news was a great idea because yeah. that's when people are actually home from work. But that hasn't necessarily done that well either. I always thought the 10 p.m. news was a great idea because that's when people are actually going to bed. They're not yeah. staying up for, for Jimmy Fallon and Late Show anymore. Oh, no. All right, we're back here, 744, Rick Green, WTNH Managing Editor, Corey Myers here with us as well. I remember the days of sweeps, come up with ideas, make the stories. I, does the general public even know that there's like four periods a year where you actually, you know, like pants on fire, try to do your best stories? I don't think so, but
1: it, it sounds good when you bring it up in conversation, you know? It's the sweeps period.
0: Now, is February. Was November, is November the most important one still? Is that how it works?
1: I think so. I'm not sure. And
0: February is pretty important. February and is then pretty important. And May is not that important. And the summer is the least important. Is that how it works? I
1: think you're probably right about okay.
0: that. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, and it's always interesting in a, in a place like Connecticut where you probably sit down with a bunch of people and be like, you spitball ideas, you put it on the grease board, you narrow it down, you approve it, and then you have to, you know, get the work done. Right. And so you do a, a whole month's worth.
1: Yeah. So we have a month's worth of stories <clears throat> starting tomorrow, February second. And uh, in this case, we wanted to focus on one topic, which is a little more, little different. Get out for the whole month. So we're we're looking at teachers. Uh, I think there's a sense that being a teacher has gotten a whole lot harder since the pandemic started, and it's not just like the old times of struggles in education. Teachers are really having a hard time with burnout, uh, with compensation, with mental health of their students with the fact that they can't hire enough teachers. So we thought, okay, let's roll the dice and just look at, through the lens, through the eyes of teachers, uh, mm. a lot of these problems.
0: So a lot, a lot of profile type things? Uh, we don't
1: want to get – yes, yes, teacher voices are important, but we want to talk about the larger issue. Like tomorrow, for example, we're starting our first uh, package is on teacher burnout and how we're losing more particularly good young teachers because they're just like – I can't handle this. It's too
0: much. What is too much that wasn't too much 20 years ago? Uh,
1: I think the mental health side of it, the parents involvement. I think mental health. I think parents, we expect schools to solve all the problems of society. Uh, Teachers are fairly well compensated in Connecticut, but there are vast differences between urban and suburban. So good teachers in the cities leave for the suburbs. Um, There's a, significant issue with diversity. We have a pretty diverse school population, but a largely white teaching population. But also
0: a lack of diversity on gender lines, too.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Um, See, that's fascinating to me. You know, my my first job was as a a teacher at a private school and I was a terrible teacher. (laughs) But, you know, my father, you know, who who probably deep down my mother and father had different ambitions for me. uh, He really embraced it. And he, he had this philosophy that Education would slip to the point where private industry yeah. would have to get involved and salaries would have to go up. Now, it never really bore itself out, but I, I think the point is still relevant. You talk about how Connecticut pays well, but that's only on a relative basis. So that doesn't mean they get paid enough. That just means they get paid better than some other places. So my my argument is that whether it's burnout or other stuff, I think same with the police. I think pay is a huge problem. Agree. Because the, the the job may be different too, but like if if you want to attract people, it's market based. You gotta pay. You have to pay them real money. Now the fact that they're gonna retire with a pension is great, but I I think you have to pay them real money. Yeah,
1: and I think just like with law enforcement, I think with teaching, the job has gotten that much harder in the last five years, uh, from more challenges with students to fewer teachers to the length the, the demands and, the, and then you have you know ridiculous proposals that surface in the legislature like to take away a 30-minute lunch for teachers or, right. why would you do that what's the you point of that?
2: give them an extra 30 yeah. they, i like, mean like, like the true. elementary
0: school should have an extra recess i mean seriously I, I listen to this great podcast you know that talks about how the the treatment of genders of students and like recess is something yeah. like you take it away like I'm sorry boys need they need that. but I want to put I want to continue this conversation yep. about what you guys have coming up because it's a great subject and one that means a lot to me. But Corey, just really quickly, you have five kids under your roof. I mean Correct. I mean, how is the relationship between the educators and your kids?
2: Amazing, but they're not just their teachers. They're a social worker. they're a confidant. you know they they're amazing. And the most important thing I find is that the parents need to work with the teachers in order to benefit the student. So I am also have a great relationship with all of my kids' teachers mm. and can reach them anytime.
0: Well, that's good. Well, that's part of the problem for some parents, though, is that they have that access. Um, you're you're a force for good in that, but many are not. Couple more minutes with Rick Green, managing editor at WTNH, longtime editor at the Hartford Current, and Corey Myers here as well, who will hopefully be filling in on Friday, unless she's scared off. You're not scared off enough. No, okay. I'll be here Friday. Um, back on the teacher front and, yeah. and what you guys are doing. So. The burnout thing, which is a, a huge, a huge story, and it's it's really important. What are the other elements like that you're dealing
1: with? So burnout. Uh, next week, uh, another one of my reporters, Eva Zamiris, is looking at school security and how you know, for a teacher going to the classroom today, it's a whole different set of issues. I mean, we heard about that situation in Virginia where a six-year-old shot a teacher. Just the anxiety and fear that school security presents, and how that changes a teacher's job. Compared right. to say ten. But years then, if ago. you have a
0: cop in every school, it feels like it's militarized, right? Yeah,
1: right, exactly. So uh, that's obviously a significant issue. Um, another uh, a reporter, uh, one of our morning anchors, uh, Laura Hutchinson, is looking at shortages and how this affects a teacher. If you don't have enough teachers in a school, teachers need to do more, handle m- multiple classrooms. Uh, that's a huge issue. Uh, you know, there there we're short hundreds of teachers, thousands of teachers in Connecticut.
0: Right. Well, wow. student student teacher ratios. I'm a huge believer that those are maybe one of the ma- the biggest factors in like succeeding. Yeah. Like, and I don't know who we had in studio, but we had like the difference between twenty to one and thirty to one is ginormous. Right. Sure.
1: And just to make another plug here, I got another reporter, Ken Houston, looking at the importance of uh, a teacher that looks like you in front of the classroom. You know, we don't have a lot of say black male teachers. Role models and and the importance of that, particularly in some of our cities, and the difficulty in attracting people into teaching. If you're, uh, you know, a, a young male of color, are you going to go into teaching, or are there a million other op- options for you now?
0: There are there. I think there are a million other options. Yeah. And I, I go back to comp. I go back to compensation and and opportunity to, to grow. And I, I I remember my son's elementary school in in Braintree, Mass had one male teacher in the whole yeah, school right. and that regardless guy Regardless of
1: color, regardless of skin color, right? Yeah. Just a male teacher. And yeah. I,
0: th- I remember when my, my kids enrolled in the school, the, they've been in the last couple of years, that there were several male males on the faculty and I was so grateful to have that balance And it, yeah. because there is, a, there is a difference. So whether it's race or gender or whatever, but that's really, really difficult yeah. to do.
1: And then, and then the thing I would add to, to you, Brian, is like the, the mental health issues that kids are bringing to school now. That's another thing that teachers have to grapple with. Are
0: parents abdicating their responsibilities and it's being put on the pa- on the teacher? I mean, or is it just sort of like, as Corey said, like there's got to be this coordination type thing? Well,
1: I think anybody in the end would probably tell you it starts in the home, right? But,
0: But are the parents like whatever and the kid comes with all these issues and then the teacher has to deal with it?
1: Well, if that's the playing field you're on, that's, that's the hand you're dealt, right? That's it. You know, if it, who, who who cares what the cause is? If a kid is needy in school, teachers have to respond, right? I mean, should parents be doing more? Probably. But yeah. now there's
2: a social worker in, in schools, and it's like one social worker for every three schools, so that they can not only talk to the teacher, but the student can now go to the social worker or meet with them once a week, yeah. and then there's a group that they can meet with. You know, that was the guidance
0: counselor back in the day where nobody wanted to go.
2: You right. know, it, it it's not. Those are separate people. There's a social worker and there's a guidance counselor. Like they're separate people in the school for my kids.
0: There's two points I want to make. One is when you have that focus on mental health, often it's the good student that actually gets neglected. Yeah. Right. Because. OK, Interesting. Because there there's so much focus on what the teacher has to focus on, which is something yeah. that's disrupting class or needs their attention. Where sometimes the the good student it just sits there and gets ignored because they're not a problem, you know. So like that that that's an, a, a sort of an unspoken um, knock on effect that some people don't consider. The I think to me the most important thing is the quality. Like education in the, in urban versus suburban in Connecticut is a big deal because. The haves and the have-nots, the gap in Connecticut is really wide. And I think that— And
1: they might live a half a mile from each other. Right. Or or a quarter of a mile.
0: Or, you, you know, split prospect. And, exactly. You know, you know and, and so that's the problem for me is like, how do we make our city schools better? And I don't know the answer to it. And I think this is something that's a problem all across the country. But you talked about the pattern of teachers leaving the, the the city for the suburbs. Sure. I mean— do you guys take the urban suburban look too? Or? Yeah,
1: yeah. Looking at that because that's especially when you're looking at shortages and compensation. That's a huge issue. If if a teacher can go from Hartford to West Hartford and bump up thousands of dollars and have a less demanding day, I don't know about you. I would take that too. Sure. Yeah, that's
0: sa- a big deal. Same with the cops. Exactly. You can do the same exact thing. I mean, and that should be like our biggest. Like you do the next sweep should be cops. Yeah. And law enforcement. It's a it's a similar issue. And and, and, are, and,
1: and the answer in a lot of cases is money. You want better cops? Pay them more. And I, I don't have a problem with that. No, better teachers? Mean, pay them more.
0: Yeah, I'm 100% in agreement. Uh, Rick, it's always good to yeah. see you. And uh, and again, these stories on education start on WTH and h tomorrow. Are you going to start in the morning or at uh, night? It's
1: going to start in the even, in the, at 5.30 tomorrow. Uh, they'll, they'll be repeated in the morning, run on Tuesdays and Wednesdays through the month. End of the month, we're going to have a town hall meeting with oh, teachers nice. uh, trying to convince- Who's going to host- uh, and Nyberg, our evening anchor, is going to host it. Uh, so we'll be doing that on February 28th. That'll be uh, live? That'll be live on WTNH, too, 7 that. to 8 p.m. That's
0: awesome. Yeah. I so that'll it-
1: be exciting. We're, we're we're really enthusiastic about it. All
0: right. Well, we'll catch up again soon. Rick Green, sure. managing editor from WTNH. Corey's going to stick around for another hour. And, of course, it's Brian and company here on WTIC News Talk 1080 at